Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. Um, And we have an exciting couple of weeks um, heading into November in Los Angeles with a lot of fabulous events in town that really circle around a lot of the themes that we've been discussing on the show as it relates to immersive content and connected devices and artificial intelligence and blockchain. And so this weekend I'm participating um, in the Infinity Film Festival and we talked to the uh, founders of that show a couple of weeks ago. Um, And today we're talking to another gentleman who's um, participating in another big event coming to town that's all about mobility. And so we're gonna hear from the fabulous John, De, uh, tell me if I'm saying this right. John Dupre Gaunt, is that right? Perfect. All right, John. Perfect. Let's have a big hand for John. So John is the host and curator of a very popular podcast called the Augmented City Podcast, which is a multimedia series exploring the intersection of artificial intelligence and urban life. Um, and he's going to fill us in on all, on all the wonderful things that he's doing um, as it relates to cities and what's going to happen um, as all of these new technologies impact the direction that our lives take within cities. So, John, um, tell us about your background and how you came to be this, uh, this most connected man. <laughs> well, actually, uh, rather than do kind of the resume thing, uh, let me start with a quote from a Japanese guy named Akio Morita, and he was a founder of Sony. And he said, with a machine, you can be entirely rational. But if you deal with people, sometimes logic needs to take a backseat to understanding. And one of the things that got me into sto- the storytelling of, uh, about technology and the Augmented City podcast is that I'm looking at storytelling and communication as that bridge between logic and understanding. And nowhere is that needed more than what we're seeing happening around artificial intelligence and autonomous vehicles, because more or less, we're asking people to literally trust their lives. You know, your, your website crashes, you're, you can be very inconvenienced, you can even be out of money, but if your car crashes, it's a whole different story. So there's a big trust issue here, and I've never seen trust truly boiled, regardless of what the blockchain people say, I've never seen trust among human beings really get down to mathematics and logic. It's got to be on the understanding side. And so we started Augmented City about two years ago to more or less start exploring that interplay between what the technology capabilities can do combined with what we're asking people to do so that these technologies are actually going to, A, work as advertised, B, not have, you know, unexpected outcomes. And so fundamentally, I'm telling people it's as much of a storytelling challenge as it is an engineering challenge to make this stuff work. So you've got to have uh, people involved. So that's, that's where we started from and then uh, have focused specifically on mobility, healthcare, and education as sort of the three big things that we need to get right in our cities. And if we're going to use AI to get those things right, then AI uh, and, uh, is going to be a strong candidate for, you know, a a true world-changing technology, like people are saying. Otherwise, if we're doing it wrong or bad or indifferent, then AI is just another platform. And so uh, that's sort of the challenge to lay down the technology industry, but also lay that challenge down to brands in general. And we use the podcast as a way of talking to both. And you have um, a journalist background, is that correct? Um, I mean, you have a really interesting background, but is that where you sort of honed your storytelling skills? Well, actually, no. I mean, look, uh, I was a kid who told such whoppers that the teacher finally called home and said, you know, we the vivid imagination <laughs> stuff is good, but it's the... It's the ability to scale. By the way, this is a family show. It's it's the ability yeah. to scale BS that that's right. got us worried. Um, exactly. And so, I've always been around story uh, storytelling. Uh, grew up in East Tennessee, and there's a large uh, group of literally storytelling festivals where you listen to people who are telling mountain tales and such. And so, at a very early age, I got an appreciation for oral storytelling. Now, from the journalistic uh, point of view, I did I basically did my apprenticeship at the Economist Group covering telecommunications, mobile in specific, uh, near the end of the 90s, 
when we really didn't know what mobile telecommunication really was going to do. But uh, so I'm like, hell yeah, I'll take that beat. Um, and then uh, ran with that for a specialist publication of, uh, of theirs called Public Network Europe, basically completely diving into the telecommunications industry and how they were trying to get around, get their head wrapped around this mobile thing. And then uh, basically built on top of that and did a lot of customer search and analyst work for Economist Group, uh, GigaOM, you know, a lot of the usual, uh, the usual technology suspects. Wow, so so interesting. Um, and then, do you still live in Tennessee? No, no, no. I live. In, I'm based out of Seattle, Washington, um, and we we have a recording studio in the South Lake Union area, just about four blocks from where uh, the Allen Institute of Artificial Intelligence is. It's on a marina, uh, and so after we record, we go out on the deck and you're able to see the water and the and the mountains and the light. So it's, it's a nice it's a nice place. I got a lot of time for the Pacific Northwest. Um and the 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 show that you're doing started in the spring of 2016 um and 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 tell us a little bit about it because I know you're covering sort of the center of the swirl right now on the show and then there's a lot of event work and different things that you're doing that are sort of uh, the offspring of that, but tell us a little bit more about the show. Okay, well, the show is looking at how how can we use audio multimedia, and by that, let the podcast lead, but then also support that with um, uh, show pages that'll have, you know, curated videos, infographics, white papers, the kind of things where you can start to dive deeper into the topic after you've made an initial emotional connection plus kind of a framework. So that's how the, that's, that's kind of the structure of the show. Topics and people we've, we've spoken to, uh, interviews have ranged from someone like Alvin Gray, uh, Alvin Wang Gray Lin, who is the CEO of Vive in China. And so you can talk about VR, not only uh, everything to do with virtual reality, but also how is it being applied in China? We've got, Interviews that range from him all the way to a Brooklyn magician who starts telling us about how people think from a kind of a neuroscience and cognition point of view. Because one of the things that's really fundamental to the show is this idea of we are weaving human culture with machine code. And it sounds, it, it, it sounds a bit like uh, you know, kind of one of those new age West Coast types of concepts. But when you start really thinking about how well can machine code really work unless it has human consent to sort of play ball? You know, you've been, put it this way, you've been in airports that work and you've been in airports that don't work. Right. And the experience is fundamentally not just a technology experience. It is a, it is both a technology and a behavior experience. Um, and so in taking that, that background, especially when we start dealing with artificial intelligence, we're saying, well, wait a minute. Uh, if, the Internet of Things and AI is pushing all this uh, data and algorithms into our lives. How are we pushing the way that we want to live into the design of products and services? And so there's always that type of uh, tension between the two, again, between logic and between understanding. And so that's where, uh, that's where we want to play with the show. So along with the interviews, we also do some uh, in-depth um, original thought leadership. I mean, one of the things I used to do for economists and also with eMarketer is try to develop long, long-term themes that you can return to. So that's why we're focused a lot, very heavily into mobility right now. But healthcare is a close second, and we've done some education shows. But we're going to keep, I guess, bouncing between those three main poles and the people that we interview and a lot of the topics uh, that we cover because we see those as sort of the nucleus of what kind of new culture is going to come out of uh, this AI-powered world that we're building. Um, so that gives sort of the general background on the show, more specifically in mobility and for next month. Uh, for LA Commotion, we, uh, it's going to be from, I think, the 14th of November through the 17th, and we made a long-form five-part podcast series, which is sort of a lonely planet guide to next-generation mobility. So uh, we interviewed across the industry at, the, at their event last year, took selected audio cuts, added our own research and such, and basically made uh, sort of the equivalent of an audio white paper about 
well, what is autonomous mobility? What, how is the sharing economy set? What about bike sharing? What about car sharing? And then how does all this stuff affect real estate? How does it affect innovation? And then finally, the, you know, one, our capstone show is going to be, well, how, what kind of data are we going to be exchanging to have this sort of utopian uh, mobility world that everybody's talking about with the self-driving cars? And so uh, we published episode three on Monday, and we've got two more to go. Ooh, that's exciting. Now, before you continue, we need to take a little break. And when we come back, we can dive more into um, your mobility guide, um, as well as some of the other content that you're generating. And I would also love to get into more of what you're doing for LA Commotion, which is the event you were referring to, which I'm really excited about, um, which covers um, some of this um, um, in Los Angeles, um, which certainly is, you know, a mobile, uh, mobile city. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we're oh, going to be yeah. back in a moment with John digging more into artificial intelligence and the urban life and um, also the uh, the runner of the Augmented City podcast. Back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Welcome back, everybody. We've been talking to John DePregant, and he is an expert, really, in the intersection of artificial intelligence and urban life and runs the Augmented City podcast. And John was just going over some of the larger initiatives wrapped into all of that, um, including his um, AC mobility guide. And then I know you have some other things, um, bigger initiatives going on inside of that. Right. A a second initiative, uh, which is related, is um, we're building up a portfolio of AI stories from China. Uh, I was in China uh, this year uh, through most of the month of April, some into May, a lot of traveling uh, among the Shanghai and uh, Anhui province sets. So Shanghai is a big hot spot. So, so is Beijing, so is Shenzhen, you know, the usual suspects. But I wanted to make sure with this particular trip that I didn't get, you know, that sort of uh, glaze over from too many airports and too many changes. And so just focused mainly on the Shanghai scene, which uh, brought me into contact with uh, a huge, not just, native talent there, but also Chinese from the sort of, not the Chinese diaspora, but overseas Chinese who've returned to the country to work. So, for example, um, one of the major AI companies in China, so it's called iFly Tech, um, and one of the main things they do is a lot of natural language processing for automated call centers, etc. And you're sort of like, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. And then you start looking at their volumes, and these, this is a company that on a given business day, their 
chatbots and intelligent interfaces and basically kind of the, uh, the, the, the AI computing iron that takes, I never uh, coined a new phrase maybe, uh, that takes care of these conversations. We're talking 350 million, 400 million simultaneous conversations that are going on that their bots are participating in. So you start looking at that kind of scale and they'll show a, uh, like a heat map of the, of the country that is showing, you know, where all of these conversations are happening. And you're like, man, that is a new world. Yeah. And so there I had the, the, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Dr. Shipung Lee, who previously was one of the top researchers for Microsoft. So uh, one advantage of being based in Seattle is not only is it uh, a major uh, technology center with, Starbucks, not just Starbucks, but Amazon and uh, Boeing, Microsoft, etc. But there's also a large overseas Chinese presence here in the tech industry. So one of the main things that we're doing is building up a portfolio of English language um, stories about AI in China. Oh, interesting. So that's a, a kind of another another bridge, so that we everyone understands what's really happening. Well, fundamentally, if, if you were a Martian and you were orbiting the planet trying to figure out how Homo sapiens is dealing with this AI thing, you've got certain hot spots of, uh, of activity that are going on in specific countries. Um, Israel for uh, cybersecurity, um, also a lot of robotics and stuff. But as far as like the two areas on this planet where sort of the general purpose, artificial intelligence, platforms are being built, it's United States and China. It's a G2, hmm. it's not a G8. Huh, interesting. Um, and, and is there a specific reason for that? Well, I mean, one of the things is simply the, the complexity that, uh, of, of sheer numbers that, uh, that are dealt with over in China, plus a lot of push so that China's uh, technology, I guess you say technology-based, I'm going to Choose my words carefully because in 2018 there's some strong feelings on on many sides about that. But China has basically made the strategic decision as a government and as a business culture that they're going to be seen not as sort of a fast follower or second. They're actually going to pioneer new technologies like artificial uh, intelligence. And it's not just simply for kind of power politics, but it's simply that they've got to. It's an aging society uh, that also is trying to transition. You know, we, we have these discussions about, oh, robots are going to eliminate jobs. Well, imagine the numbers you're talking about in China. Now, right, they right, already right. are, yeah, they're already heavily roboticized and such, but still there is, you know, there, there's, there's no magic that's happening in either country. You know, we have these, this fantasy that there's this uh, cabal of, uh, of Chinese leaders meeting in a, in, a, in a closed room deciding how they're going to defeat the West with artificial intelligence. That's a cartoon. I mean, de- China's dealing with amazing um, sustainability challenges, population growth, population aging challenges, and they're looking at artificial intelligence not just simply that we want it, but we need it. So that was one of the things that struck me in this, uh, this latest trip. And by the way, the last time I've been in China was 30 years ago, so I've seen it on uh, both sides, right after it opened up and then recently for its uh, AI reasons. Huh. That's fascinating. So do you, do you see, and maybe you're witnessing this or you're part of this, uh, China and the U.S. working together to solve, you know, these issues that to me seem fairly global. I mean, we're facing similar issues, aren't we? Right. The aging of, of populations and the sustainability of, of our cities. Again, I like using that, I, that, that idea of orbiting and looking, just forgetting the political maps. If you look at the light signature of cities at night, I mean, that's, that's humanity's direct implant, imprint on this planet. And uh, it was only in the 1950s that we had two cities that were over 10 million population. You're talking about Tokyo and New York. But now, 2018, we've already climbed past 30. And then if you go forward, you're going to have 40 and 50 cities that have 10 million plus population that are responsible for half the global economy. So it is true, you know, cities are the direct expression of humanity's imprint on this planet, but we really don't have a playbook (laughs) For handling that kind of hyper urbanization, it's never happened, and it's never happened that fast. 
And so, mm. uh, you know, I think AI has got to be foundational to cities just like electricity and steel were. Is it is it um, um, challenging for some cities because there's legacy infrastructure? Um, so they have to look at the new technology, but also keep everything going and then figure out how to merge the old with the new? Or are cities just starting from scratch? I mean, how do you, you know? Well, you got a combination of both. Um, our epi- the episode three that, uh, that dropped on mo- uh, last week, or sorry, Monday, was about mobility and real estate. And in that show, we cited a, um, a research study by the OECD about how the use of shared and autonomous vehicles in the downtown of Lisbon, Portugal, could not only reduce the number of cars they needed by 80 to 90%, but could enable Lisbon to claw back the equivalent of 200 football fields worth of land in downtown. Wow. If you, if you take a look at Manhattan from space, over 20% of the surface area of Manhattan is taken up with parking. Right. So That's it. Yeah. If you, and having lived in Manhattan and having tried to find parking, it's also, yeah. made, you know, I think the whole blood pressure would go down. But, I mean, imagine if Manhattan could gain back another Central Park worth of land because of, of mobility. So one of the things that we really explore, you know, in the show, and I was always try, exploring in my research analysis, was not just what's the first order effect of self-driving cars, but what's the second order effect of having more land? Or being a drive-in restaurant, and now you're 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 dealing with people who mostly are not drivers. Huh. So, so interesting, um, just this that, idea of looking you know, that, at things. That leads into a lot of up. threads that we explore here. Yeah, I, I I was just literally thinking about if you look at cities not from your own personal perspective, but to your point from above, then all these. Um, references that you're making start to make more sense and then you get this bigger picture of everything because I never really thought about how much parking takes up Manhattan but but you can see it if you're that high up you know, well the single I think I think the single best image to look at is a night shot of North and South Korea where you see huh. the light signature there and then just on that light, or you can also take a look at the light signature, uh, the the lighting of the coast, the, the the coast of China versus the interior of China, or Japan, or you. Know, you it's it's a real it, intellectually, it's, it's and also emotionally. Quite frankly, it's a great way to take a half hour out of your day and get on a nice high definition screen and just go to NASA and just start taking a look at the Earth at night. Yeah, I'm it's on the just website, a, a, I can say that. I can't say that in Tennessee. They'll look at me weird. <laughs> well, now, also, we have, and we might have to take a break before you finish this, but um, we, you have L.A. commotion coming up um, in a, in about a week and a half or so. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what your involvement is? Sure. Um, we went to L.A. commotion last year, and um, that was the, the first year that it happened and covered it wall-to-wall. Basically, you're talking about a four-day festival of all things uh, mobile. So you got you know, autonomous cars, cargo robots, et cetera, et cetera. What we're doing this year is that we are publishing a, a white paper based on a lot of, uh, a lot of live and also uh, curated research about the media environments for shared autonomous vehicles. You know, basically, when, uh, when drivers become riders and riders become audiences, how does that really change um, media and marketing that are going to be done inside these vehicles? So we're going to publish that white paper at LA Commotion, but we're also going to have an expert meeting of about mm, 15 to 25 heavily curated leaders from the mobility space and, uh, and sort of the associated, you know, people who are really into computer vision, et cetera, and have an expert meeting around that topic and actually use their perspective to understand at least the people who are building the autonomous vehicles or building the mobility as a service type of businesses, how they're thinking about media. Because anybody who thinks that we're just going to shrink wrap episodes of Seinfeld and put them on a screen that people are going to watch in traffic, um, I think they're going to be in for a rude surprise. Right. There's a lot of uh, changing models coming. All right. We're going to dig more into... 
into some of the trends that um, are going to be seen and discussed and explored at LA um, Commotion when we come back, and also more on this topic of the passenger economy, which I think you were just talking about, and some other interesting mm-hmm. um behaviors and technology models that are going to be, you know, coming out of all of this, this wonderful stuff. It's just so, so interesting. So we're going to be back with John Dupree Gaunt, who is the uh, host and curator of the Augmented City podcast um, and just a guru about how AI is going to um, impact cities. Um, So more exciting information on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we're back with John DePregant, and we are talking about the future of the city. And John was just going to um, start to dig into a, a bit of the trends that are happening because of all these uh, technologies and the infrastructure of the city and just the impact all this is going to have on, on mobility. Um, so, John, I know one of the first points that you, you were uh, referring to earlier, pieces of it, was the passenger economy. Um, can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that trend? Okay. Well, passenger economy was a term that was coined by Intel Corporation. They did a research study that was looking at what's the potential economic value of all the products and services that we get when we use shared and autonomous mobility. Okay, I'd spoken previously about uh, Lisbon clawing back all this downtown land. That's one aspect. But Intel's estimating we're talking about something that could be in the multi-trillions, about $7 trillion over the next 30 years. About a third of that is going to be kind of the, what we're thinking about for a passenger economy, you know, the Ubers and Lyfts and autonomous vehicles and all the mobility technology. But the bigger chunk, the far bigger chunk is actually going to be the services that you wrap around the idea that most of the people in motion are going to be in a passenger economy. Now, let's remember, we deal with passenger economies. Every time you take a flight, you're participating in a passenger economy. You're literally a passenger. But, you know, we can go into the differences between airlines and uh, autonomous vehicles a little later. But this service landscape that's built around intelligent physical mobility is going to behave, I believe, much like the service landscape that was built around the Internet economy, which was about, you know, better networks. And so we're talking about indirect savings of uh, of time, you know, and, and a key point, one of the points that... When I was reading that study and I validated, I said, okay, we as Augmented City Podcast have got to go 90 degrees into this media services for autonomous vehicles. Is Intel's estimating that just in the U.S. alone, we're talking about 250 million to 300 million hours of saved time. Basically, boiling down the question, if I gave you an hour or 90 minutes back to your day because you're not physically driving, what would you do with it? 
sort of the right. golden hour, perhaps as a new prime time, of people that are going to be in traffic. Because autonomous or not, you're going to be in traffic. You know, all that, you know, just like you can watch a Sunday afternoon football and, they, and all the car ads are about, you know, uh, taking your pickup truck across the, the great expanse of the Arctic tundra. Well, that's not, that's not the lived reality of most people, you know, especially if you live in Los Angeles. And so this idea of giving people back an hour to their day, something that we're also calling the 25th hour um, of the day, we were saying, well, what if we conceived of that extra hour as a new prime time, as new media time? What could I do in an hour with a combination of user interface, media content, and associated e-commerce and social media services? Wrap that all, wrap that all together. What could I do in that new golden hour of time? And that's really what launched you know, our efforts to understand at a deep visceral level what kind of media and marketing is going to be native to that shared autonomous mobility environment. And uh, if you think it's going to play big in the U.S., you ain't seen nothing until you go to China, uh, where it's going to be even more normal for people to not own or drive cars. And so L.A. Commotion is just a, uh, it is a, an amazing uh, nexus where you've got not only the, the technology sector and such, but also by being in L.A., you've got a situation to where L.A.'s got to solve the problem of mobility a lot better than the past because if we look at what's, hap- uh, what's going to go forward, and we quoted this in our first episode of the Mobility Guide, there's going to be three times more cars or more vehicles in the next two decades on the street. So imagine L.A. with three times as many vehicles. Imagine the same thing in New York, in Paris, mm. London, Rio de Janeiro. I mean, that's just a non-starter. And so uh, L.A. Commotion has been really important because not only are you getting that community together, but you've also got support by Los Angeles city government, and you've also, and we're hoping to start bringing that in, the media industry because that's another huge industry in L.A. And so, um, you know, I'm really excited about coming down there, uh, not just from the point of view of uh, L.A. in November is a little better than Seattle in November from a weather point of view. <laughs> mainly, from, mainly from the fact that lessons, I want to see what lessons learned in L.A. might apply better in Seattle and vice versa. So L.A. Commotion's big uh, for that, and that's why we made the mobility guide and why we're running the, uh, the media workshop there. Um, do, do people understand that the word mobility, what it really means? Because it, it comes up a lot now when we're talking about technology trends or business trends or when you're looking at anything from a content creator or marketer's perspective, mobility is sort of a new thing that everybody's trying to wrap their head around. Do you think everyone knows what that means now? Um, it's a bit like when we used to talk about connectivity and the Internet. Basically, I look at mobility as two, two flavors. It's not just taking me, my physical self, from where I am to where I want to go. Mobility is also bringing stuff to where I am right now. That's Amazon delivering to your door. So uh, mobility of people and mobility of goods has, has been a uh, – it's been a founding – Principle of all cities. Um, sorry, sent that to sent that to voice. Because uh, I, because I am, um, would I, so would mobi- I see mobility that- people in good? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Founding principle of cities since the get go, and if we think more about how people should be using mobility in this stage, those are the two things: it's people and goods. Right, right. I, I think um, the, the thing that I'm encountering just as like a regular human being is those um, those bird scooters <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and then also, you know, people trying to wrap their head around, um, you know, do I buy a car? You know, should I lease a car? Do I even need a car? Should we be a two-family, a two-car home anymore? Should I try out one of these new models where I, I you know, I um, rent a car for an hour and I leave it wherever I want? You know, how do I budget and think about how I'm moving myself around in my life now? 
because it's not just a set column in your taxes anymore, right? It's a real interesting thing to be thinking about in terms of investment and time. Right, right. Well, you know, one thing that uh, just anecdotally, my son didn't even get his driver's license till he was 18. And mm. that was mainly, uh, I told him because I don't want him carrying his passport for ID. And then, yeah, he's, he likes driving well enough, but he and his friends have already changed a lot of the habits that were, that, that were, forget about my teenage years, I'm talking about just recently, like back in the 2000s. And so, um, you know, going back to those second order effects, one of the, one of the things that I've done is sort of fixed on this variable to say, okay, shared autonomous transportation, more intelligent mobility, and it can be cars, it can be scooters, it can be all those different uh, options for actually moving it, but it's also how do I access it, how do I finance cars? Give me a um, short example. You can imagine that by uh, model year 2025, 2026, you can probably get a car financed if you're willing to let someone else borrow it like a Uber and uh, operate it as a fleet as part of a fleet while you're at work. So your car works for you. Now, how does that translate into not only how would you finance the car now that can actually earn you credits, but also what, how are you going to insure the car? Will the fleet operator insure it? So there's the, you know, you open these new capabilities also open up a whole set of new issues. So, you know, one of the things I always try to tell, um, a lot of the uh, AI utopians and such is, let's imagine your solution works as advertised. That's wonderful, amazing. What new pain have you created along with the benefit? Because we do live in a rational universe. You know, so now, if we're going to have these autonomous cars that are owned sort of like timeshares, they're not sitting parked like they usually are 90% of the time, but they're actually out there working. Well, okay, how does that change insurance? How does that change licensing? How does that change... Um, the way that you finance them. And then additionally, who's going to service them? What's going to happen to the dealerships? So we saw when we were doing our research that mobility is actually a very good uh, concentration for understanding the acceptance of AI in general. Huh. Because it has, it has so many knock-on effects. Right. It's something everyone as just a human being can relate to. It's not some weird deep inside the weeds of a business category. It's actually literally something that impacts you every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you can have, let, let, as an example, let, let, let's say I was wanting to talk about intellectual property. There are places I can go in LA where people are going to be riveted and the vast majority of America couldn't give you know what because it doesn't affect them. But if right. I talk about the traffic, if I talk about the traffic, uh, in, in one perverse sense, it's still pretty democratic. You know, you can be in your Maserati, but we're stuck. Uh, I'm, in, I, I'm in my genuine, you know, use, genuine uh, used car that's all beat up, and you're in your Maserati, but we're both stuck in traffic. That's the democratic part. And then, of course, it gets unequal. I still want your car more than mine. Um, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, the fact is mobility is one of those platforms. We look at healthcare as a similar one. Rich or poor, regardless, healthcare is both uh, democratic in the sense it affects everyone, and then it goes highly unequal once you get sick. Um, hmm. And so healthcare is another proxy for general acceptance of AI. And then finally... What are we going to teach the kids? Education is the third one. And at that point, I'm like, we got enough. Um, we're going to stop yes. there. But between <laughs> those three, we look at the general acceptance of AI. I love that. Well, we're going to um, take one more break. Um, John, We're with John Depregant, who is um, filling us in on our artificial intelligence and connecting it back to the future of cities and other business categories as well. And when we come back, John's going to share with us um, some of the companies that he thinks are doing really, uh, really interesting things. And just what, what are some of the surprises that are bubbling up in your world because of everything that you're looking at? So we'll be back in a moment with John Depregant from the Augmented City Podcast, which is a multimedia series exploring the intersection of artificial intelligence and urban life. We'll be back in a moment.
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Now, it is so rare on a Tech Cat Show that I don't botch somebody's name. Um, and I think that's because you're saying such interesting things. <laughs> So we have on the on the uh, on the line here John Duprigant, who is uh, filling us in on AI um, and urban life and um, all the interesting things that are circling around artificial intelligence and why some of these things are easy easy for us to understand because they directly impact our lives just as human beings, even if we're not technologists or strategists. Um, and John, what are some of the interesting companies that you're seeing bubble up in this world? Because I bet you you meet a lot of them. You must be advising um, a lot of companies right now. And if you're not, you should. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, for cities, um, let me give you two companies, one in mobility and one in real estate, because those are two sides of the same coin. Everybody likes to talk about how bad the traffic is and where they want to live, if they're going to live in a city. The first one is, uh, let's stay with mobility. And actually, they're an L.A.-based company, and they're called Divergent 3D. And what they do is they, uh, they print cars, uh, to, to, to put it in one sentence. But they use 3D printing technologies to help uh, make these reference designs for automobiles to where you can... It's not like a kit car or anything. It's a full kind of um, sports car. Some people can drop the different engines in, make it even a supercar. But the important thing is that they are pioneering a method of using intelligent 3D printing and AI to shrink the size of an automobile factory from uh, you know high hundred millions or billions into something more like about 70 or 80 million. And then that's a car factory, and you start making cars. I mean, you've got to remember that eventually computers had to get that cheap. Well, cars are going to get that cheap, too. And so uh, they're based out of L.A., and um, they're called Divergent 3D, and I really think you should, uh, you'll have a great time talking with them and understanding a bit more about how the manufacture of cars is going to change. If you want to look at, like, well, how am I going to get my, how am I going to get my car from, Orange County to uh, the top of, uh, of, of L.A. might look beautiful, but it's still a lot of traffic. Also, check out another L.A. company called Arivo, A-R-R-I-V-O. These were, this company was started by people who were working uh, on the Hyperloop project with Elon Musk, and basically what they're trying to do is create a medium-distance transportation network where you'll be in your car or an AV and you drive up onto the equivalent of this sled that would then take you from, let's say, the, uh, the, the bottom of Orange County all the way up to, nor- uh, to the northern part of L.A. County in 10 minutes because you're going all about 200 miles an hour. And uh, wow. fortunately, you're on a track. And then when you get to your end point, you just drive your car off the sled and you move on. 
So huh. those are some interesting uh, trans- transportation ones, and they're two uh, L.A.-based companies. On the real estate side, oh, God, I'm going to have to say the B word. Um, there's a company called Notel, uh, K-N-O-T-E-L, and uh, they're, they're a major competitor with WeWork, but they have launched a nonprofit blockchain initiative called BIA, and what that is is about how to use blockchain technology to actually change the way commercial real estate is negotiated. Huh. Uh, as you can appreciate, big uh, big renters like a WeWork or a Notel or anything like that, they're all, you know, their basic model is they go and they rent 250,000 square foot of real estate uh, office space, and then they will partition that, and then you come in either as a startup or as a company. Okay, pretty simple business model. Try doing that in practice, where when you're going to rent significant commercial real estate, you need to know how is the HVAC unit? Is the, is the elevator on four, uh, uh, number three, is it malfunctioning? What is in the description of the space that I can trust? Most of the time, you can't, so you send somebody out there. But imagine if suddenly you've got, you want to be closing on 20, 30, 40 leases, commercial leases, and you need to do it in two months' time. You know, that way lies madness if you do it manually. So what BIA is all about is how we can start to create a distributed ledger of does the description that's given digitally match the reality on the ground or actually in the, in the space. So let's say that you're doing you, you're doing an inspection, and you see that elevator three is malfunctioning. You take a picture. You submit that information into the network. It gets time-stamped. It gets, you know, it gets marked. It becomes that single version of truth for that day that elevator three in this office building was out. Now, then the landlord can come back and say, hey, we fixed it. That's a new block. Life goes on. At the same time, if the, la- if the landlord says, oh, no, 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 the elevator works just fine. Well, no, you've got an immutable record that other people can look into. And effectively, what it does is it accelerates the due diligence process of doing a commercial real estate lease. And so you're going to get a lot more velocity in how these big buyers are able to use uh, a blockchain network like BIA, and it's spelled B-A-Y-A. Hmm. Uh, I think there's some kind of tree like that in Asia, buy a tree. I don't know. I'm, I'm, sure, there, I'm sure there's a rich origin story to that word. But anyway, buy <laughs> is a very interesting idea about using blockchain to try to solve a pretty gnarly, obvious problem that's hard to do, which is to go inspect property at scale. So I like them. I like Divergent 3D uh, for, for the cars. I like a Revo. Um, as far as other um, AI technology companies that are, that are specializing, let's talk sort of at the component level. Uh, there's a, um, a company called Clobotics in Seattle, C-L-O-Botics, um, Cloud and Robotics. Basically, a bunch of brilliant Chinese engineers from, uh, from Microsoft have developed a computer vision capability uh, that does two things. Number one, like uh, you've seen those wind farms um, yeah. on the coast. Yeah. You know, we got yeah. these gigantic structures. Yeah. Well, these guys, uh, they have programmed drones to fly with AI uh, all up and down those, uh, those wind turbines and inspect the blades. Now, on one hand, you're like, wow, that's pretty interesting, but niche business. But if you start looking at how you do a computer vision version of that, how you would take all these pictures of a blade and you're, you're inspecting it for cracks and flaws and things like that because you don't want to send a human being 200 feet up, you send a drone. But by doing that, they've learned how to take that initial experience and now they're applying it to retail. So where basically in China, you, have, uh, you can start doing an inventory count by standing in front of the rack of, I don't know, water bottles and beer and, you know, Monster and all the different drinks and just taking a picture with a smartphone, send the thing in, and uh, then the system sorts out and does the identification. And so you've done your inventory. You don't even have to scan barcodes or other kinds of SKUs. So those are some of the, the, uh, the innovations that are happening both at the, com- 
you know, kind of the capability or component level, and that's Clobotics with this computer vision, all the way up to complete solutions like uh, Arivo, where you jump on the uh, uh, jump on the sled and zip zip fast on the on the track with your car. So those are the kind of the companies I like to track, both at the solution level and at the component level. Huh? Where um where can we um uh, catch the podcast and you know track all the different things that you're doing? Okay, the the website is theaugmented.city. Now, it's the augmented, one word, dot city. And then uh, we go on SoundCloud, we go on all the, uh, all the other platforms that you'd expect, Stitcher, iTunes, etc. And um, we're going to be publishing across all the channels with our white papers, with the audio multimedia, and then uh, also we're, we're very interested in working with, I guess you could say, technology companies and services companies that have a difficult story to tell. And as opposed to, we will give you your one story. No, we, we can work with them on a portfolio around this idea that we're calling conversational B2B media. Because I think if you look at the, uh, if you look at the evolution of interfaces, it's all going towards eventual natural language interaction. And by natural language, I'm not saying say anything you want, but you can pretty much start either using voice control or having things read to you. And so conversational B2B media would be you get the podcast uh, and you say, hey, is there a chart attached to this show? Yeah, sure. Bam. You know, just take what people are doing now with show notes and with a bunch of other ancillary content and turbocharge it and have that on the podcast. And that's basically the services that we're building for some brands. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, So there's a a nice B2B component to what you're doing. Yeah, because it seems like. Um, all the stuff that you have access to, it's just too interesting and too smart to, to only be about sharing the information but not to be providing services. So I'm excited to hear about that. Um, we, we're going to have to wrap, but we've been talking to John Dupregant, who's the host and curator of the Augmented City podcast, who's also providing services to help people move through um, this crazy space and who has a real um, really strong overview and perspective on what's happening in AI across multiple categories with a special sauce around the future of cities and mobility. So uh, check out John on the podcast. Also, he'll be at LA Commotion um, in two weeks, um, which also has a site. And also, you'll be at South by Southwest. Um, and you're going to the AI Med um, conference in Laguna Beach. So you can find um, John in all sorts of interesting places, but um, definitely keep him in your world because um, he knows all there is to know about the future. Um, so thank you so much, John. I'm looking forward to, to, to digging in more with you in the near future. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Lori. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. We'll be talking to you next week um, on the Tech Cat Show um, with someone hopefully as smart as John. So have a great week, and we'll be joining you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 